Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to the Hundred Pounders meeting. It is Wednesday, the 29th of November in 2023. And today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Sammy H. Sammy is living in Cambridge in the UK. She came to OA in 1999, stayed for eight years, left and came back in 2019. So I am now going to let Sammy share her experience, strength and hope. And Sammy, you're so welcome. Take it away, my love. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Rita. And thanks for everybody who makes this meeting possible. Um, I am a hundred pounder. Um, I maintain comfortably today an 170 pounds approximately weight loss. Um, I'm half the woman that I used to be. Um, and that's got absolutely nothing to do with me. Can I just say, apart from I, um, I take some actions on a daily basis and I'm hoping that I can share some of that with you today. I'm just trying to get rid of me. There we go. So, yeah, I'm Sammy. I'm a compulsive overeater and a food addict. And I always have been and I always will be. And um, just to qualify, I think Rita's got some pictures of mine. Um, if you want to stick those up, Rita. Um, for most of my, no, not most of my, all of my adult life, I was over 140 pounds um, overweight. Um, and the, the delusion of my diseases is that I didn't think anybody would notice. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I thought that, you know, the worst thing in the world was, was that somebody would know that I was a compulsive overeater. But anyway, here I am at probably over 344 pounds. Uh, that was the day that I married my long-suffering um, husband. I don't um, recognise that person as me anymore. Um, I have nothing but love and compassion for that woman. Um, I remember her suffering. I remember her pain. I remember her isolation. I remember her loneliness. And I remember, you know, how desperate, how desperate that she was. But um, the woman that sits before you today is nothing like that anymore. Um and I remember when the last lot of um, sort of large clothes went out the door, I felt like she'd left. She'd left the house and there was a sense of sadness in that. Um, but she no longer is me. Um, I'm no longer her. Uh, thanks to the grace of a, a loving higher power. And the picture in the middle is one that always gets me. That is the morning of the 6th of June 2019 when... Um, I was going to put the food and the copious amounts of other things that I was addicted to down. And um, I was standing there in my underwear in the bedroom and I literally dropped to my knees and screamed out to whatever was out there. Um, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. I don't know how I'm going to do without this stuff. At that point, I was like a drug addict. I was, I had food hidden around the house. I was, um, lying to people I was eating hand to mouth hand to mouth hand to mouth and I literally just lived to eat uh, there was nothing else in my life nothing else mattered um, until I got the sugar and the caffeine in the morning I was rattling like a, a junkie and my withdrawal was like a heroin withdrawal it was horrific and uh, the amount that I was eating at that point was staggering um, and most of it was in secret nobody really knew um, 
what was going on. And as I say, you know, my biggest fear was that people would find out what was what was happening. And in the third picture, that's sort of me, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I don't know how many years ago. I'm, as I say, I maintain 170 pound weight loss. Um, I'm very grateful for that. Um, but that is not the deal. That is the least exciting thing that's happened to me in the last um, four and a half years since I've been back into OA. So um, thanks, Rita, if you want to take those down. So, yeah, I overate as a child, overate as a teenager, overate my whole of my life. I didn't know anything different. I didn't think it would ever be any different. I didn't aspire to be any different. I never wanted to eat like other people. Uh, I wanted people to think that I ate like other people. And when I was with other people, I ate like other people. But the moment I got home, you know, um, I would be binging um, my brains out. In the end, I wasn't binging. I just ate every minute of every day. Um, I went to OA for seven years. Um, I loved OA. I used it as a social club. Um, I had lots and lots of friends. I've still got friends from way back then. Um, and... Um, I didn't understand and I didn't want to understand. And I certainly didn't want to put the food down and I would go to OA, I would talk the talk and then I'd binge all the way home. And I did that for seven or eight years. And, you know, I'm here to tell you it doesn't work if you don't work it. But I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And then I was asked to speak in a convention, at a convention um, in Birmingham on recovery. And well, I wasn't even in recovery, but I did it anyway because I was so arrogant and full of my own self-importance. I had a massive ego no self-esteem um and i stood up and did that and because they obviously could see straight through me um they wouldn't put out my recording and i got the hump with oa and i left um and i was out there for another 15 years and i was the kind of morbidly obese person that thought i was going to get away with it you know i'm going to out i'm going to outwit this thing you know i'm i'm not the kind of person that's going to die from a heart attack or a stroke and i prided myself on the fact that I didn't have diabetes I mean what insanity is that you know um I just thought I was different I just thought I was terminally unique and I was going to get away with it and I spent my whole life trying to get away with something or other and nowadays um you know one of the things that I have to be is very honest very honest and I share everything about myself with everybody you know which was just unbelievable because I was just such a closed book really although on the outside I was big and bubbly and you know full of life and what have you so you know um I wasn't ready until I was ready when I when I got to the point um in the middle of that picture that you saw in the middle I was spiritually dead I mean that's my spiritually dead picture and um the physical manifestation of the disease, I mean, I couldn't walk, I couldn't get in and out of the car, I couldn't get up and down the stairs, I was wetting myself, I was messing myself, um, I couldn't sleep properly, um, I was chronically, chronically disabled. They told me I would probably lose my legs um, because I had very little blood supply going down to the bottom of my legs and they told me I was going to lose my eyesight and I still couldn't stop. I couldn't stop and I still didn't want to stop, you know. But I um, I got to the point where I hated me. I hated me. I hated everything about me. Um, I was just so full of my own BS, really, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I'd got to the point where I couldn't laugh it off anymore. You know, it wasn't funny anymore. Um, 
I couldn't, I, I was a clown, you know, that was my kind of defense mechanism. And I couldn't, I couldn't just brush it aside anymore. And my physical health was deteriorating. Somebody that I met 15 years previously in OA said to me, uh, well, surely, you know, your eating and your weight has got something to do with what's going on. I was totally oblivious to that, you know, totally in denial, nothing to do with me, you know, <laughs> um, blaming everybody and everything for it, you know, took no responsibility for my own life. And I was completely dissociated from the neck down, completely dissociated. So, um, you know, I'd, I had it been anybody else, I would have probably punched their lights out. But because they were one of us, you know, I just, just a little moment of clarity came in and a little tiny bit of light came into my life. And I thought, maybe this is you know, something that I have to look at. And she sent something to me and I basically went into a, a rehab for eating disorders. And um, I thought that would be the answer to my problem because I thought my problem was a food problem. I thought my problem was a weight problem. And um, I joined this thing and they put me on a food plan. I'm, I'm, to this day, I'm grateful for that. I follow that food plan. They told me what to eat, how much to eat, when to eat it. And I do that to this day and I don't argue. And I don't mess about with it. I do what I was, I, for the first time in my life, I was willing to do what I was told, you know, and it was a miracle and it wasn't my miracle. And it was because I dropped to my knees. I dropped to my knees that day and I invited this higher power into my life. I don't know what that meant. I hadn't got a clue. I was gone, spiritually dead. So, you know, there I am. And I get through my first day of abstinence and, you know, all is okay. And she says, you know, you, you're going to be okay. So I stop eating and I start losing weight and I think everything's going to be fine. But actually it's 10 times worse. I was suicidal on the 6th of June, 2019. And 10 weeks later, I was less weight, but I was more suicidal because that then I realized what my real problem is. My real problem is that I can't live abstinently. I can't live without the food and I can't live with the food. And at this point, I was still in the hump with OA. So I went back to another 12-step fellowship and uh, I started, um, you know, listening to the message and sharing in this particular fellowship. And then eventually I realised that I needed to go back into the rooms of OA. And that's what I did. And I walked in the same room that I walked out of 15 years ago. There were still people sitting there, not in recovery, not doing the work, you know, and I'm not judging those people because that was me too. So, you know, but I sat next to this woman and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't live with the food. I can't live without the food. And she said, you better get down on your knees and pick up the big book. And I thought, ah, oh, the big book. So I came home. I picked up this book. It had been on the shelf for 20 odd years. I'd never opened it. Brand new. And I started reading it seriously from the forward all the way through. Now, there was no one to sponsor me at that point because it was just face-to-face -face meetings and I didn't know anything about Zoom meetings. I didn't know anything about Zoom. I thought it was a nice lolly. And, um, but I, um, I thought, yeah, this is, you know, this, this is going to be good. So I read the book and I followed these simple instructions in the book as outlined. And um, at step nine, it was as if something put its hand inside of me and grabbed out that obsession. The obsession was gone. You see, up to that point, I was abstinent and I was absolutely batshit crazy. And um, so that's what happened. And um, that's where the journey began. Abstinence is where the journey began. 
And um, I was about six months in. I started sponsoring people. I was doing that for my ego. It was an absolute disaster. I thought I knew everything. I still had this raging, <laughs> this raging ego. I still had no self-esteem. I still didn't really understand what it meant to live these steps on a daily basis. You know, I kind of got it on an intellectual level, but I didn't really understand it from a heart level. You know, so I kept going to meetings and I kept telling everybody what to do and making amends and stepping on people's toes. And in fact, I was worse, page 60 to 63, I was worse in recovery than I was out of recovery. I was more of a control freak. I, in fact, all my character defects were worse when I, when I started working the program. And um, but slowly, but slowly, as I started to implement these steps, my higher power started his work her work its work whatever yours is i talk about god it's a god of my not understanding it's nothing to do with religion it's my god my personal god um as time went on i started this god started to do a work in me you know and as i got to step four and five i realized you know that all these ideas i've had all my life about you and how you did this to me and how it was terrible and all these scripts I had in my head and all these stories I told myself you know how dreadful it all was and you're all a bunch of you know what and um doing your inventory and you know I was wonderful and I can't understand I was a victim you know and I looked at this inventory and I suddenly realized that I had a part to play in every single thing that was going on in my life and it was a very painful re revelation very very painful and then I had to go around and make amends to people and um you know, I made amends to people that did a lot of things that hurt me. They did harm me. A lot of the people that I made amends to had harmed me. Um, but, you know, I then saw where most of my problems were. And that's when I really, really started to ask this higher power to come in and help me. So, you know, I um, at six and seven, I began to realise that I needed transformation. And I couldn't transform me. You know, I realized that actually my problem was me. My problem centered in my mind and that I could not sort me out. And I was never going to sort me out. And actually, I'd spent my whole life looking on the outside to try and sort something out on the inside. And I could, and it never, ever worked. It never, ever worked. You know, if I get that house, then I'll be OK. When I'm married to that man, I'll be OK. You know, then I'd leave that man and then I'll go with that man. Or I'll travel to Australia. When I, if I'm in Australia, it'd be different. You know, very strangely, my alcoholic thinking went with me to Australia. So, you know, suddenly I realised that it centres in my mind. You know, it's alive. It's working even when I'm not eating. And, you know, my insanity um, is what makes my life unmanageable, not food. So um, in six and seven, I started to have this very personal relationship with a higher power, asking this power to keep removing this stuff. And at the time, I also read a book, which is an outside issue, so I'm not going to share that with you. But um, it was a book about um, a guy who asked, you know, the universal power, if you like, to remove um, certain things in his thinking. And he did what this power guided him to do. And that was, I'm sure, a gift for my higher power because suddenly I realised that actually I can't do anything about my thinking, but I can hand my thinking over to something bigger than me that can change me. And it was a 
massive step in my recovery. So there I am, you know, I'm in six and seven. I'm continuously asking this thing. I have no clue what it is. I'm saying my prayers like a shopping list because I'm not religious. You know, in fact, religion's done a bit of a job on me. I used religion to try and make myself feel better about myself, but that didn't work either. You know, I need something bigger than religion. Okay. So I'm asking this, I'm asking this power all the time, you know, to do a job on me, basically. So, um, that's what happened in six and seven. And then I'm making, I'm making amends to people and I'm having to swallow very large chunks of pride, right? And I'm full of my own importance and these people have done stuff to me. And anyway, I'm out there and I'm making these amends. And then the obsession gets lifted, you know, it gets lifted. But I realise that I'm still full of resentment and I'm still full of fear. I'm wrapped with fear, absolutely wrapped with fear. And I've still got loads and loads of character defects. And they're now coming up in drag. You know, fear doesn't look like it used to, but it's just dressed up in something else, you know. So, again, I'm having to start to do step 10s. And I didn't like that because I didn't like talking to people, you know. And if I did like talking to people, I only would talk to people that I chose, you know, because I'm very important. So I start to do my step 10s and I start to share with people. And it's very uncomfortable. You know, if you're working a program and it feels very comfortable to you, you're probably not working the same one as me. That's all I can say. When I had to, you know, put my neck on the line this morning before nine o'clock and ask for someone to take my step 10, did not feel comfortable. You know, I like keeping it all to myself because I'm an alcoholic. But no, in the food, I'm an alcoholic in the food. You know, I have to reach out. So, you know, I start to do these step 10, so I'm getting feedback about me. And I'm seeing these character defects. And then I realise even more why I need this power greater than me. And then step 11. And this has been massive for me, you know, in the time that I've been in. Step 11 is a three-part step. I always thought it was a two-part step. I always thought you did your prayers and meditation in the morning, you do your nightly review, and you can do what you like in between. <laughs> so... I'll do my prayers and meditation. I'll say my prayers like a shopping list. And then I'll say, thank you, God. I'll take it from here. And if it's, if you can do my will, that would be great. I did that for some time. It was quite painful. I did a bit of experimenting. I almost got back into the food a few times. Um, I was still quite nuts. Um, it didn't work. It didn't work. And then I realized that the step 11 is a three-part step. So I do my prayers and meditation in the morning. And... I didn't realise you had to do it on awakening either. I thought I could do whatever I wanted to do before I did my on awakening. You know, I could do me after the shower or when I've been shopping or when I've done the whatever, whatever, whatever. That doesn't work for me. I don't speak for OA as a whole. I speak for my own personal experience. Okay. Step 10, 11 are spiritual um, disciplines, you know, and I have to let God discipline me. And some of that is, for me, has been I have to do the rituals. And on awakening is the first thing that I do in the morning when I wake up. So I I learned very um, early on, you know, what happens if you don't do your prayers and meditation because I found my hand in something in the fridge. I didn't eat it. I've managed to not have a relapse, but I came very close. So, you know, higher power taught me that one um, very quickly. So... You know, in the morning, I do my prayers and my meditation. Nowadays, I love that. I love spending time with this power. Um, it is the highlight of my of my day, my quiet time, my precious time with my power. And um, what does that look like for me? Um, I read um, 
what do I read? I read third step prayer, the seven step prayer. I read step 11 prayer. I read um, on awakening out loud. I read the set aside prayer quite often. Sometimes there's St. Francis prayer. Sometimes I, I choose a prayer. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, this is what I do. Um, I do some readings, some of them um, sort of outside spiritual readings, sometimes um, from, you know, our books, the OA books. Um, and then I just sit quietly. I just sit quietly and I meditate and I ask my power, my God, to speak to me. You know, is there anything you want me to to hear today? Who do you want me to talk to? You know, guide me and direct me. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? And a lot of my life nowadays is emptying myself out of me. You know, before I came on this meeting today, I'm praying to get me out of the way. Remove me so that I'm an empty vessel, so that you can work through me into the lives of those that you want me to work with. Because my job today is to look after God's kids. I'm a humble servant. That's what I am today. It's not about me anymore. It's not a self-help program. It's not. It's a God help program, but it's an other help program. You know, I'm here to work for this power. My life was saved so that I can be involved in saving the lives of other people. But I can't do that myself. I thought I could when I was full of ego. I can't. I have to be empty. So the power works through the two of us when we're sponsoring. So I need to be an empty vessel. I am just the lantern. God, high power is the light. So I get out the way and I'm praying for that all the time. Remove me. Get rid of the bondage of me. Get me out of the way. So um, I'm doing that. And then I just talk. I just pray. I just talk to my God, to my higher power. And, um, you know, quite often stuff comes to me in the morning, phone so-and-so, reach out to so-and-so. Um, coincidences, God, you know, God incidences uh, all the time, all the time. Something will come up and I need to share it with somebody or whatever, whatever, whatever. But listening is really, really important part of my practice. You know, I was never good at listening. <laughs> I was very good at talking never very good at listening. So it's a really, really important part of my practice. And what's happened to me through that um, total transformation? I'm nothing like the person that came into these rooms. And there's people who've known me over 15 years here and will tell you I'm nothing like I was. Um, I grow, I change. I need to keep having spiritual awakenings. I can't stay clean and sober on what I did three weeks ago. I have to keep growing this relationship with this higher power. I need to be closer to that power today than I was three weeks ago or three days ago. You know, I'm continuously developing a relationship with this higher power, which means for me, inviting that power into every area of my life, every area of my life, less of me, more of you. And, um, you know, as I get, as more of me gets out of the way, I'm guided and directed and I have a life that is beyond anything that I could imagine. I mean, I just couldn't imagine it, you know. And is my life easy and, and stress-free? No, my life's not easy. It really, really isn't easy. Uh, I've got a lot going on at the moment, but I don't walk it alone. I don't walk it alone. And then when you have this transformation and you know the real deal here, you know, then the exciting part is working with other people because, you know, it says our job is to share the message. The message is that you need a higher power. That's the message here. If anybody's telling you any different, you know, they're lying to you because it's all about God, whether you like it or not. You can call it what you like. You don't have to call it God, but, you know, it's all about that higher power. 
um, that everything we do, every step we work, everything we do, we apply it to ourselves so that I'm unblocked so that I can get more of that power in my life. Why? Because my disease gets worse, the path gets narrower, um, it's progressive, it's terminal. Um, you know, my insanity, I was back in the insanity the week before last, you know, I was full of fear, I was blocked, um, full of fear, and I was blocked off from a higher power and I was back in that vacuum, the washing machine that's going around and around and they're saying this and they're doing this and I'm frightened of this and blah, 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 going on in my head. I needed to get back down on my knees. I needed more of that power. And I share that with other people. There's nothing that I've got you know, there's nothing about me, my superior knowledge that is going to help anybody. I couldn't save me. I can't save you. There's nothing about me that can do anything for anybody. I can only tell you what I do and what that power has done in my life. And I'm a newcomer every day. Um, I know very little. I knew everything when I got here. You know, it's the only program where you start off by being God. And if you're lucky, you get promoted to servant. You know, I know nothing. I know very little. Um, I'm, I'm really open to seeing what this thing wants to you know wants me to experience um i want to grow and learn um and i'm in step one two three every day every single day i'm in step one step two and step three i am a hopeless alcoholic in the food that will never change it's worse today than it was then um and you know i can't do it on my own and I need to invite this God into every area of my life. Um, and I need to do this work, regardless of what's going on in my life. There is no other way for me. If you found another way, fantastic. You know, um, I'm not here to try and persuade anybody um, how to live their life or what to do. But I just know that I spent years and years and years of my life trying to fill a God-shaped hole with stuff out there. And there's no part of out there that is going to fix what is going on in here is conscious separation. The moment I put my hand in the hand of that power, I didn't need to, I didn't need to fill anything anymore. Yeah. And I don't need to fill anything anymore. I don't need to do that anymore, but I have a mind power disease and I need to apply the solution to that mind power disease every minute of every day because it doesn't give up. You know, it's very patient. It's very, very determined and it doesn't care whether I'm dead or alive. You know, it just wants what it wants. And um, ultimately, it will take me out. You know, I will die from this thing. And I am under no illusion of that, no illusion whatsoever. And I'm very clear about what the solution is for me. You know, for me, the solution is a power greater than me. And um, my job today is to stay out of the way of my own life guide me direct me fill me with you show me what you want me to do show me where you want me to go show me because i have no idea my best thinking got me to 344 pounds and pee in my pants that's where my best thinking my superior knowledge got me to you know almost losing my legs i don't know how to do life and this program has given me a roadmap for life and it is beyond anything that I could ever imagine I am the most grateful member of Overeaters Anonymous this is a wonderful wonderful fellowship I have friends here that I can share with all over the world um, I have a wonderful higher power who seems to be nuts about me regardless of my bullshit 
and um a fantastic sponsee some are on here today uh, you know i work i did step 10 with a sponsee this morning it's just lovely to be able to share and be in fellowship and have a family around you and um i get to do it with you without you you know can't do it it's a wee program have to do it with have to do it with you so um yeah i mean i have a terminal illness and i have a daily reprieve who would who would not you know be wonderful and grateful about that you know it's just fantastic i don't have to live in the misery today i don't live in misery today i have purpose i have direction in my life um i get to live in a body that is relatively functioning it's not perfect <laughs> i'm a woman of a certain age um but it's certainly better than it than it was and um i get peace i get peace and serenity the washing machine is not on very often nowadays there's not very much going on in my head at all um and it's a good thing it's a really good thing so i'll leave it there i can't wait to hear what you've got to share and uh, thanks for inviting me rita and thanks for everybody for listening well, Sammy, thank you for such a wonderful message of depth and weight. And I'm just going to read a little bit of an extract out of AA's big book, page 511, that just um, to finish your share. So today I'm much more comfortable with life as Alcoholics Anonymous has promised. And I know they're right when they say it keeps getting better. My circumstances have steadily improved as my spiritual life grows and matures. Words cannot begin to describe the feelings in my heart as I sometimes ponder how much my life has changed, how far I've come and how there is yet to discover how much there is yet to discover. And though I'm not sure where my journey may take me next, I know I'll owe it to the grace of God and to three words of the 12 steps, continue, improve and practice. Oh, and one more thing they told me, humility is the key. So for those of you who want to read that story, it's got a bravado. Um, it's on page 511. 